0: Summer drinking season is long, which is why non-alcoholic beer is a great addition to your cooler. But what makes you reach for one N.A. beer over another? Is it great flavor, variety of styles, maybe you just like a cool can? Well, no matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer, the answer is always athletic. Great flavor, it's athletic. Award-winning styles, it's athletic. Huge variety, guess what? It's athletic. From IPAs, Extra Dark, Sours, Hazies, and more, to summertime favorites like Light Brews and Goldens, it's the number one NA beer brand in the U.S. It's athletic. Ask for it. Fit for all times. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Think about it. You're hanging out at the beach, maybe you're going to a music festival, ball game, camping, late night, early morning, wherever the summer takes you, the best part is zero hangover the next day this summer ask for the only non-alcoholic beer you need to know athletic head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use the code ta2024 to get 15 percent off your first online order that's code ta2024 at checkout for 15 percent off your first order near beer exclusions and conditions apply Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times.
1: How's it going, everybody? This is Andy McCullough from The Athletic here with Mark Carrig, also from The Athletic you are listening to beyond the scrum a baseball podcast mark how's it going i'm
2: excited andy very you're excited? excited i am i am one of my one of my favorite teammates is on the pod today that's and true so i'm very that's very true.
1: excited he'll be nice enough not to make fun of your anton Shiger haircut i think he laughed though what a son yeah, of a- you've never you probably have you seen no country for old men I have yes, yeah, yes. yes. Thank you. Yes, okay. Thank you. Hey, we're here with Jake Kaplan. He covers the Astros for us. The Astros may still be playing baseball by the time you listen to this podcast. Or it's they Wednesday. May not. It's Wednesday morning. Uh, obviously, it is a very intriguing job covering the Houston Astros in uh, recent years, and so we thought it'd be nice to have Jake on and kind of talk about you know what that experience has been like, where the team is at, and then some other things moving forward. So, first of all, Jake, how are you doing? Man. I'm doing okay.
3: Uh, thanks for, for bringing me beyond the scrum, uh, even though I feel like I've been there for eight months now. Uh, and I, I just wanted to say I'm really grateful that you guys brought me on to follow up the Evangelic episode rather than one of the great guests like David Wright or... I don't know. You've had a, really, a lot of great episodes and I just appreciate yeah. the timing of, of being right after Evan.
1: Oh we like to gosh. set the bar low and then raise it slowly. So Drellick is like our—he's like our uh, palate cleanser. Oh. You know, it's good. It's good.
2: <laughs> Dude, he's gonna be mad when he hears that. He's not
3: gonna listen to it. It's okay. The That's
1: idea true. that he would do anything—you know—by the way, it's—you uh, know—today's E.E. Cummings' uh, birthday, uh, which you know is nice because that is basically how Drellick writes. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. All right, Jake. So the Astros are down 3-0. Jose Altuve may have the thing. Uh wh- what is kind of the state of the franchise right now? This is this team's in a really weird place I think moving forward, wouldn't you say?
3: Yeah, it's been a weird like even 2 weeks let alone 2020. Like mm-hmm. this team went 29 and 31. I don't think anyone in Houston really expected they would beat the Twins in the first round, let alone the A's in the in the second round and then uh you know Be four wins away from going back to the world series you know i think uh it it wasn't looking good there for a while with this team um you know just from a strictly performance standpoint this season um and now in this alcs they've you know i think um i think in the last round the their familiarity with the a's really helped and now that they they're facing this Rays team that's just like incredible pitching incredible defense they're just i don't know the rays are just like really really good and i think uh you know, I think they might win the World Series, honestly. So, um, yeah, it's a weird state of the f- franchise. You know, obviously they had a, a tumultuous 2020 and end of 2019, to say the least. And now they're, you know, on the verge of maybe losing George Springer, Michael Brantley. And um, it's kind of, in a way, you know, looking like the end of an era. Um, I still think they're going to be good going forward. But, you know, it's it's definitely a different feel.
2: Jake. You know, you talked about that, right? The, the transition that's coming with this club. When you lose a, a player like George Springer, potentially, Michael Brantley, these are really good, not just good ballplayers, but they clearly are a voice in that room, too. So it's going to be different moving forward. But there's there's also been kind of this influx of young talent that we've seen, and those guys have performed uh, pretty well in the postseason, too. Could you kind of walk through kind of some of those guys, these names moving forward where and it gives you some confidence that, yeah, they might not be the same juggernaut they had been before, but it, it seems like they have enough to still be competitive, right? So who, who are these guys? What have you learned from them even in his 60-game season?
3: Yeah, I think, yeah, I think they're, to your point, I think their super team days ended with, probably with Howie Kendrick's home run last year in, the, mm-hmm. in Game 7. But I still think they have enough good players to be relevant for a while. Um, you know, some of the young players... You know, it's more in the pitching staff than the lineup. But in the lineup, they do have Kyle Tucker, who's been a lot better than I thought he would be this year. Um, he was he was pretty lost at the plate the last two years in his in his small samples in the majors. And this year, he's been really good for them. Um, you know, they'll have Jordan Alvarez back next year, yeah. who's really good. Yeah. And then the pitching staff they've they've got a lot of fun uh, international signings. You know, guys who signed when they were really you know relatively old for that market. Um, you know, Anoli Paredes in the bullpen, who, who was part of their implosion in the sixth inning in game three, um, but has been really good for them. Uh, Christian Javier, starter for them. Jose Arquidi, who I think everyone knows by now. And Framber Valdez, who's probably been like the biggest surprise of their season. Um, you know, Your guy. Yeah, Your guy. I, I feel like I write about him a lot. Uh, and I know Andy texted me when uh, Dusty took Granky out in game one of that Twins series. For Valdez and I was, I think I said like Valdez is really. I think what did I say? I said Valdez is nasty. Yeah. Um, and he threw five scoreless. Uh, he was a guy who like couldn't throw strikes at all, and now he's like an ace. So, um, you know, I I don't know. You know, losing Verlander for next year is huge, obviously, but you know, between Valdez or McCullers, Greinke, Javier, like this team's still gonna be around. I think.
1: D- does the franchise? want like do you think they would let Springer I'm curious like how how aggressive do you think they will be with Springer first of all
3: it's hard to get a read on because of the new GM factor right Right. like under if it was Jeff Luno I would say he's definitely gone right um just because of how they kind of operated like free agents pretty much always walked um you know we don't really know what James Click is going to be like as a GM he hasn't really made any moves yet outside of trading for lefty reliever Brooks Raley early in the season.
1: Where did he work beforehand? <laughs> that would lead you to the Tampa Bay
3: Rays. That would lead you to be- oh, okay. believe that it might right. be run similar, similarly to how the Astros have done it. Right. They are, yeah. they are not, um, they do do things similarly in, in, you know, player development and, and kind of uh, not really building the team through free agency. Um, but for me, ultimately, like if you look at George Springer, free agency like he's, he's gonna be a free agent so all mm-hmm. 30 teams have equal access to him starting in early November uh he's a 31 year old outfielder who plays really hard and, and does miss time here and there um mm-hmm. it doesn't really scream like the analytical forward-thinking team would be all over that I think they'll you know make an attempt but I feel like among the other 30 teams there's gonna be several who are more desperate for a player like Springer who they can you cannot build around whereas the Astros you know they're going to bring back Bregman, Altuve, Correa, um, mm-hmm. Gurriel, like Alvarez, Tucker. Like they have a good lineup even without Springer. So I think other teams mm-hmm. will have like a bigger motivation to sign him.
1: I guess what I'm what I'm kind of wondering is like is there a push within the organization to Change up the roster enough that you can try and leave the cheating scandal in the past. Like bring in enough new faces. Like because like Bregman and Altuve are signed, obviously, but Correa will be a free agent in a couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just curious, like, if there is any sort of uh, you know sense that they should shake things up to you know from that perspective.
3: I mean, there's definitely a case that they should, but they just re signed Yuli Gurriel, who was their first baseman on the
1: 27th. Well, for like, for yeah, but for like 45 dollars. Yeah, I mean, it was
3: a, it was a, <laughs> uh, I mean, because because of his age, it was a pretty, at least on paper, a team-friendly deal. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like he, you know, they could have gone another direction, and they decided right. to bring him back. So, right. Um, I don't know. I, I think it doesn't seem like that's you know, I think like if if all things were equal, they would like to bring George Springer back you know Mm -hmm. but I just think the market's gonna dictate otherwise
1: so you so you don't think like like internally they're like okay we need to change you know we should like trade Carlos Correa just because he still has the you know the taint of that on us and like we want to try and move forward I'm just curious I don't don't, don't think so I don't know what the right answer is either because these guys are obviously pretty good but I'm just curious in terms of like changing the conversation around the franchise I don't
3: think so I I mean I think like there is an argument to trade Carlos Correa but it's (laughs) more for like prolonging your window down the road um Uh Uh because he's only got one year after this year but I really don't see see that um that like just because they were on the 2017 team you want to trade them um right if if that was the case I don't think they re-signed Gurriel I think you know I think ultimately like there's baseball um reasons to do these moves but you know Correa's (laughs) You know, I mean, there are going to be down to only a few guys left next year. You know, from mm-hmm. that team, Correa, Altuve, Bregman.
1: Um, Those are pretty prominent guys. Yeah,
3: prominent guys. But like Reddick will be gone. Springer right. might be gone. Um, I guess Gurriel's back, so it'll it could be four guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, there's been so much conversation about this team. Obviously, like they sneak into the playoffs. And Andy wrote a column about it not too long ago that I thought was a pretty good. Um, you know, snapshot of this conversation, right? And and like, look, frankly, most of the country they want to see these guys mm-hmm. get bounced, right? I, I don't think they were pleased to see them sneak in and then win a couple series. But like, what, what's the dialogue been in Houston, right? Like, I think people are mad they didn't get their shame tour. But as far as like people that actually root for this team, what has the conversation been like through this season and now, you know, after winning a couple series in the playoffs?
3: It's mixed. I mean, you know, in engaging with fans on social media or in the comments section on our stories, it's a mixed. That's healthy. B- it's a mixed bag. Yeah, I know. I, tr- I try to avoid the social media part of it as much as I can. Um, you know, there are some fans who are really defensive about the whole thing, right? And, and do the whatabouts. Uh, There's some fans who, <laughs> who uh, you know, I've talked to fans who took the year off. You know, like or just like I'm, you know, especially with with the short season, like I'm just going to take this year away. Um, Some fans wish they would just like Correa would stop popping off, you know, and and just like let them play baseball. Um, It's a mixed bag, but like uh, I know in the regular season I was getting a lot of like. Tweets like, why are you even covering this team? They can't hit They're, It's a waste waste of time. And then that, and then those same fans are like all back on the bandwagon once they beat the A's. So <laughs> uh, you know, in some ways I guess it's like like a lot of other fan bases, but there's definitely sure. a lot of fans who are defensive about the, <clears throat> the whole cheating uh, scandal.
2: You know, there's yeah. been like all this talk about Dusty Baker and the influence. Like and, and you and I have texted about this, right? So Altuve, you know, might have the yips. Mm-hmm. and there's that shot that the broadcasters are just, like, love telling the story over and over and over again. Dusty comes over and gives the guy a hug. Um, Jose Altuve did not look like a fellow that wanted a hug at that moment. No. like I And it made me think, like, yeah, I, I think Dusty Baker is terrific, um, but, like, how can we actually assess the work that he's done when there's nobody in the clubhouse, obviously, all we have are Zoom calls mm-hmm. um, and, and the way that things are structured, right? Like, it's not like teams are sort of around each other in the normal ways that they would be in a non-pandemic. So, like, I guess my question is, like, what has your read been on it? And I'm asking you that, knowing that it's been a limited window that you get to actually see what impact you may or may or may not have had on this team this year.
3: Yeah, extremely limited window with, with the, the Zoom conditions. Um yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's also like, how much do you think the manager matters? Uh, mm-hmm. um, but ultimately all we have to go on is they went 21, nine and 31. They s- significantly underperformed offensively in the regular season. And then they turned it on in the second round of the playoffs somehow, you know, I don't know how much of either of those things are related to the manager. Um, you know, for me, I feel like the, the allure to the Astros of the Dusty Baker hire is is a lot of it is the the face of the team deflecting attention from the the 2017 players who are still around and diverting it to himself in a lot of ways right like he comes on zoom he tells stories about Hank Aaron and um, you know really he name drops like 10 people on a given zoom you guys have been on there um, so you know I think we Camus <laughs> yeah exactly Exactly. Uh, I learn. I learned, I have to. I like go on Wikipedia after every session to learn about these people that he's he's talking about. Um, <laughs> Is that how you pronounce Jake. it? <laughs>
1: it's Camus.
2: Yeah, he didn't pronounce it that way. He, he said
1: okay. Camus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, if we're talking about the same existentialist, I don't. No. Know.
2: I. Th- yeah. I think we are the the French Algerian one. Yes. I think that. <clears throat> I mean, I one. don't
1: know how to pronounce Sart Sartre. So, like, I'm not I'm not pretending to be so... At least yeah, you can Franco say epidemiologist.
2: File. Bang, I knew that was coming.
1: <laughs> Where did we find Drell? I mean, under what <laughs> rock did this company find that guy? Uh, so, the, you make an interesting point with Dusty because, like, I feel like... Uh, we, Mark and I talked about this, how we felt like he handled the issue with Joe Kelly pretty well uh, and kind of, like, deflecting from that. But I feel like Dusty is getting a lot of credit from folks in the press more or less for the the wrongs that happened to him earlier in his career i think it's it's kind of like believed that he got a pretty raw deal with the nationals for example right like he that team went to the playoffs two years in a row and he got dumped mm-hmm. you know um, i think there's just kind of a, a sense that he's a guy who has you know um, and I, I agree with this that he is you know got been wronged by employers in the past. And so he's sort of being given uh, credit for things that aren't exactly happening. Like the team wasn't good in the regular season. No. The, you know, the incident with Alex Centrone was one of the more embarrassing things mm-hmm. that, you know, happened in the sport this year. Um, you know, and it seems like pretty clear the team doesn't at least based on like the zoom calls, the team doesn't seem to have a unified message on how they're going to treat the specter of the scandal. In that, you know, like Carlos Correa will come out after, you know, the the twin sweep and say, you know, what are you going to say now? And then he's asked, you know, four days later, like, hey, is this to prove all the doubters wrong? And uh, he'll, he'll say like, no, 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 we don't think about the doubters. Or like Josh Reddick will say at the start of the. Uh, you know, the, the series with the athletics, like this year is all about proving the haters wrong. And right. then four days later, we'll, you know, shoot down a tweet from Andy Martino, which was basically just saying like, Hey, the Astros think they're good and they want to beat the teams who are whining about them, which like is
4: logical. a fairly
1: non-controversial, <laughs> <Yeah. and> logical <laughs> sort of, you know what I mean? Form. Like, yeah. you know, like, but, <laughs> and so it just seems like, uh, and this is just kind of a long way of saying like this, is you know, I don't think like, Dusty is the blame for any of this. But, like, I think his impact is probably just being overstated because so many of us who have dealt with him just like the guy.
3: Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree with what you say. Yeah. I think uh, when you hire Dusty Baker, you know he's going to get a lot of press, right? And uh, national writers are going to write about him a lot. Local writers are going to write about him a lot. The local TV falls in love with him. You know, like, I think... It's a big, yeah, as you
1: should. He's great. He's, like, he's great. he's a really cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, and he's a good manager. Yeah.
1: It's hard to say, like, what specifically is happening in 2020 that is a result of that. Mostly just because we have no idea. We're not in the room. Right. Yeah. yeah I think it's,
3: it's interesting what you say about, um, like, the Correa and Reddit stuff. Um, I found it interesting in, like, the coverage that, you know, like, Correa will pop off and then the stories become the Astros are embracing the villain role where it's really just like two or three guys who are willing to yeah. say that stuff. And the rest of them want nothing to do with it and yeah. say nothing about it. Um, so it's, I think because we're limited to like one or two players post game after every game, mm-hmm. there's a lot of projecting going on about like what's actually yeah. the feeling of the clubhouse. That's right.
2: such a great word. That's with everything, with Dusty, with the players. And, yeah. and it is, it does speak to like, this idea of wanting to wrap your arms around a narrative and they've been really squirmy about it.
1: Right. Like it's just not an easy box to put. That's them what in. I wrote last week. Like they yeah. just, wrote, they're not, they do not fit.
2: They don't. And then like, yeah. and then on top of it, it's like, you just get all these conflicting, you know, like you guys mentioned the comments right from the players, like one day it's, it's us against the world and the other, and right. next is us, just another game. Right. And yeah. then it's, you know, uh, Dusty has got, got his pulse on this. And meanwhile, Korea and, and Altuve are switching positions in the shift without right. telling him, right? Like, I mean, that <laughs> after the game, he gets asked, I was like, yeah, I wasn't consulted about that. So it's like, okay, what the hell are we doing here? Like, yeah. which one is it? And I guess that's what is sort of fascinating is that they, look, everybody handles <clears throat> what those guys did and then the fallout differently, Carlos Correa clearly is handling it different than some of his teammates have, mm-hmm. and I think it it's sort of fascinating to see how it's really difficult to kind of represent that idea because you want to kind of lump them all together, right? Right? You naturally just want to say, "Well, they're all just taking on that villain role." Well, no, it's much more nuanced.
3: Than yeah, that. I mean, yeah. it uh, Altuve, Bregman, Springer—you don't see them engage with that narrative, right? Um, <laughs> it's really just, I guess, Correa and Reddick, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. so. Yeah, I, I don't know. The Dusty, Dusty Baker part of it is, you know, I, I, a lot of fans in Houston were uh, not a huge fan in the regular season. You know, His bullpen management left a lot to be desired. I think he's done a lot better in the playoffs. He hasn't had to use his bullpen a ton. Those starters have been right. so good. Yeah, um really Well, they good.
1: figured out a they figured out a good sort of hack. The the piggyback.
3: The piggyback stuff. early was smart. Man. Yeah. yeah, really smart. But then, like you have, you know, Game Three where like you you bench Martin Maldonado for Dustin Garneau who hasn't played in three weeks. And um, Wait,
1: why you guys just were tweeting about that all
0: day. <laughs>
3: <cares? laughs> Maldonado is like a sneaky, valuable part of their team. Like he's, okay. a, he's a at calling games in my opinion. And um, if you're, it clearly wasn't about rest because as soon as Urquidy came out of the game, they put Maldonado in mid inning. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I don't know the, there's, the, there's strange decisions like that here and there that,
1: Well, maybe Arakidi doesn't like throwing to
3: him. He's thrown to Garneau once before Game Three. Like the broadcast was going on about how well they worked together before. It's a sample size of six
4: innings.
2: (laughs) I mean, Andy, we were talking about this the other day, right? Like we're talking about the Rays a little bit. Uh Like they've got twenty-eight good players, right? And so then when Garneau's in there, and like I want to like you know insult the guy because he's a major league player, but like but the drop-off is severe you're that down it, right like like that's it's the most important up, game of the year you're not and up like, here's this yeah right like and i mean so, you
1: guys made it seem like they benched george springer i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, don't,
2: I mean i, I thought was it was just, it, it did it like, felt
1: disproportionate I not probably but like i mean to be clear i don't watch much baseball so i mean to be clear aren't all of mark's tweets disproportionate in some way yes that's yeah, true i got to like, i got to figure out a it's time to mute I mean, we literally built a Twitter, Mark. We have an athletic Twitter. Just use that.
2: I know, and I've used it like twice this week.
3: You sicko! <laughs> anyway. Can I can I bring um, up a point that has really stuck out to me this week? Sure. Or actually, really? the last two weeks. What What do you got, Jakey? Do, do national postseason TV broadcasts like talking about anything more than the shadows? Oh my god! <laughs> it's every freaking game is the shadows. Like, yeah. are they that big uh, a deal in baseball?
2: If we, let's let's do a power ranking of things that get discussed on national broadcast. You ready? Okay. Number one, small ball. Like that's big. Uh-huh. Number two, shadows. I think shadows are up there. Like what else is on this list? Like I mean those to me are like okay. head and shoulders above everything else. Dusty's great. That's three. So it's uh
1: that's about it, right? I've been listening to, to Joe Buck and John Smoltz. They've been entertaining. Uh, they've been they were they were like talking about it, it actually like they were talking about like the last rookie who was, like, really good in the postseason and, like, Smoltz couldn't fit. You know, Buck was, like, trying to quiz Smoltz on who it was, and he couldn't guess. And he was like, it was Michael Waka. And I was just like, oh, I just got, like, sad. And like he's just <laughs> bumming me out. Like, that guy was awesome. And then he's dealt, you know, he's awesome. just, like, his career hasn't gone maybe the way that people would have expected. But they were, like, treating it as, like, a triumphant. Th- I don't know. It's just, like, it's just, like, a weird existence where, like, the only baseball they talk about is games that they specifically watch together. So It's kind of strange. Yeah.
2: I've always, like, thought it was strange the way, like, you know, broadcasters, I think, are, like, have such a cool gig in that, like, you're building a connection with a fan base for, like, the entire marathon season, and then yeah. the, the biggest the, games of the, the year the, come on, and strangers are calling your games.
1: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, Dodgers fans are lucky sometimes in that Joe Davis does national broadcasts. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, like, and, and I guess Mets fans, you know, get to hear, you know, Ron Darling, and, you know, like, it's not that the, I don't think any of the broadcasts are particularly, like, painful or anything like that but right. I, I would imagine if you're you know listening to like joe davis and oral all year and you know you develop a relationship with them or if you're listening to gary keith and ron you know it's it's tough to kind of break off to someone who just like you know a lot of times is like repeating stuff that they've just like read that we've read right. mm-hmm. you know right that like, they don't, don't know and like on. yeah because
2: like that's you know i think that it's like Dunking on managers, dunking on national broadcasters is the same way to me. It's like, all right, we yeah. get it. Like, yeah, I know yeah, that it's like point. really, dis- it's uncomfortable, and like we get it, and like, and those guys have a hard job, and I don't think they're bad. It's just. I I do think there is that, like, trauma for fans where, like, you're just used to something and then now, like, the stakes are twice what they are during the regular season, and it's a different narrator, right? I think
1: maybe they're talking about the shadows because it's harder to talk about the sticky stuff that's all going to get banned this (laughs) (laughs) offseason. The fact that that everyone's spin rate is out of control. Yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's a little bit tougher to get into. Yeah, uh, That might explain the offensive environment we're seeing in some of these games.
2: It's like there's there's so many internet sleuths, right? So, like, you know, like you get, like, pictures of John Curtis's hat, right? Or <laughs> or you get, you know, like a gif of, 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 of Yarborough, like, reaching into his glove. And it's just like yeah. there's a conspiracy theory with every pitching change. It's, it's really – and you know what? There might be truth to it. That's the crazy part, you know? the same yeah,
1: well, you're talking about. Yeah. Well, we, we'll – you know, maybe maybe in a few weeks, Mark, will do a little bit more on that, on the on the sticky stuff.
4: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
3: Requires high speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV terms and restrictions apply.
1: So Jake, like where, where do the Astros go from here? If they kind of crash out, like Mm -hmm. do you, I mean, like does another year get them removed further from the scandal where they can, you know, move forward as a franchise or are they kind of going to be like trapped under the weight of this for a while?
3: I think the latter, I think they're going to be trapped for a while. Um, you know, the more the 2017 players leave, maybe it helps them marginally, but I don't think that's really been a huge factor. I think in spring training, you know, guys who were in rookie ball in 2017 were getting booed just because they were on the Astros. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be around them for a while. You know, fans, if there's fans in the stands next year, I'm sure they'll hear it a lot. Um you know, I think the further you get removed from it, it'll it'll wane a little bit, but uh, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. I mean, what do you yeah. guys think?
1: I don't. I don't think so. I think, I think the tail on this is going to be really, really long, both for specifically the Astros, but also just the sport in general. I think there's just a lot of uh, unanswered questions and mm-hmm. you know a lot of lingering resentment. Yeah, uh, from, I have from a, a lot of people. I
3: have an interesting thing I've been thinking about. So, like, any player who was on the 2017 Astros that is now on another team, mm-hmm. how do you think they should be looked at? Because it, it, it's it's almost like once you leave, you're good. Like, no one's talking about Marwin Gonzalez, you know, mm-hmm. in that playoff series with the Astros and Twins. But, I mean, they were all in the 2017 Astros. Like, I, I don't know. It's an interesting uh, dynamic that I've noticed over the last few months.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, I'm surprised that, it has been this vociferous still because I kind of am of the school of thought that, um, you know, most people like just have short attention spans. That I think it, there's, it takes a lot for something to have a tail on it, as Andy was saying mm-hmm. earlier. And, and um, but yeah, like the fact that it's lingered to this point, I kind of like lean towards you guys now. I, I think it's going to stick around. I think the phenomenon that you're describing there, Jakey, like, <clears throat> you know, we talk about rooting for laundry. Mm-hmm. more than anything else right like so yeah players make the game and all that but i think most fans still identify with those colors that uniform that logo and um because of that that's probably why that effect takes place right marwin gonzalez leaves and like the scrutiny doesn't follow him or jake marisnik or yeah there's right a few guys on and on yeah but it's it's the uniform Well, so much
1: of it though but so much of it is that there's not there's no fans in stands so mm-hmm. there's been there's been no, like, theoretical, cathartic release where the fans of, you know, the aggrieved teams got to, you know, say their piece, per se. And so instead, what you have is, like, the sort of people who are passionate enough to leave comments on stories or, you know, tweet at people. I mean, like, you know, I'm not of the, like... Uh, I'm not of the, like... Uh, I, d- I, I understand why... Fans are, you know, certain. Some fans are uh, enjoying Jose Altuve catching the thing. Uh, I don't. I don't find it that. uh, Like that. That seems a little crueler than uh, than just sort of rooting for the guy to go. You know, as Brandon McCarthy said, like oh for twenty with ten strikeouts. But like, what? I'm not. You know, I'm not going to begrudge people the right to. You know, be upset at the. You know, the rich guys on television. It's all you know entertainment for them. So,
0: um,
1: and I think just the fact that there is no. (laughs) That people can't go in the stands and like you know say their piece once or twice like that would probably burn out a lot of it. But everyone's a lot of people are still just like cooped up at home you know right. watching on TV. And then you know like they have some of the players and you're right. It really just kind of is Correa and you know Reddick on occasion who've like baited people, which like they're allowed to do. Like I don't care. Like it's great. You know it's yeah. good. You know it's it's entertaining. Like I thought the team should have turned heel. Um, you know this <laughs> spring, but they didn't. So they're kind of like in this weird place where they're not really playing the heel, but everyone still kind of hates them and there's been no release. It's all just still building up.
3: Yeah. The alternate reality where they don't wait a month to start talking and apologizing in spring training is really interesting to me too. Um, Like the Manfred report comes out on January 13th and they don't actually say anything till the first spring training workout a month later that's a long time to let fans just and unrivaled players just kind of sit on it and it simmers. Um, I really think that's kind of an underrated part of all, all the vitriol too. Is like the, they're, you know, obviously Jim Crane bungled that press conference big time and it overshadowed what anything the player said in the clubhouse that day, but also just like waiting a month was just like the crisis management on this was just abysmal. And I, I don't know. You, I wonder if, like, in a, an alternate universe, they apologize quicker and, you know, there's fans in the stands this year. Like, I wonder how much uh, that changes 2021 and beyond. But because mm-hmm. of how much they bungled it, plus no fans getting their chance to to boo them this year, I, I to, to your original question, I think it's going to be a while.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think the, the, the bungling aspect of it, the PR and the owner just continuously, you know, finding ways to defend – people and it's Mm -hmm. just sort of like every you know it's just like yeah it's uh it's it's uh, it must be difficult for the public to take
2: well it would be a fitting end though right like if so they're going to go through a season in which they're you know they had it coming with the fans and that never happened because Mm -hmm. of the pandemic so what's the next closest thing they get to the lcs and get humiliated right like i mean ltv like and it's cruel it is cruel like, to see, to see that, but, like, it's, you know, I think fans are sort of, like, in this mode of, oh, just make the best of it that you can, in general, and so if they're gonna, if if the if the shame tour has to be replaced with, like, a ma- major flame-out in the LCS, it certainly sounds that they're cool with that, too, you know what I mean? Like, for them to get swept uh, by a team that is basically, you know, through, uh, I mean, they're really good, they're also getting some luck, right? Like, I mean, the Astros are hitting the ball so Hard in this series and have absolutely nothing to show for it, but like maybe that adds to sort of the torture factor of it. But like, I, it makes me wonder if like this ALCS is like, um, you know, the best that fans can do as far as having that cathartic release that you were, you guys were
1: talking about earlier.
3: Yeah. How how does how does George Springer get received by his new fan base? Assuming he leaves the Astros.
1: Hmm. I think the Mariners fans will like him. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, like, look, like, because he's really the I first think, example
3: of, of a yeah. free agent, right? A position player, Astros free agent since the scandal broke.
2: Yeah, I think yeah. the Mets will the Mets will be fine with that. <laughs> like, I mean, <clears throat> Mets fans will totally embrace him. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, Springer is was probably the most likable guy on the team pre-scandal. I think, uh, you know, like a. Uh, there was a lot to admire about you know, his, his story and his career, and I think he was a player who a lot of uh, you know, scouts and stuff who I talked to this winter who were really curious to see how he would perform because you know, he's a guy who took a, took a significant uptick uh, production-wise you know, once they started cheating, and he's actually been really good this year you know, uh, when theoretically they are no longer cheating. Um, so, like, I think that he, in some ways, I would I don't want to say cleared his name, but he's, like, shown he's a good player. And so I think if a team signs him and he's a good player, those fans will like him. They'll root for him.
3: Yeah. I mean, and I think they'll just be disconnected from it. And, you know? and his best season was 2019, too, which, you know, to this point, there's no evidence that they, they did anything. Um, but... Yeah, i I think he's a good player. Um, I think he'll, the age is the only thing going against him. But I'm curious to see how, you know, he's covered and how the fans in his new uh, city receive him.
1: I mean, I would assume he'll do one press conference where he'll be asked about it when he's signed, and then everyone will just leave him alone. Yeah, because it's uncomfortable to continuously bring it up, and you know, a lot of times we try and make sure that we don't make the people we cover uncomfortable, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, it's true. <laughs> like it's, it's true. It's true. Well, that a, yeah.
2: That's the, the human part of it for sure. You know, that's, like I don't like think that's a, I don't think otherwise.
1: that's a, uh, I don't think that's a, you know, a plus mark for our no, industry, but I think that's just a hundred percent true. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I was thinking about this on the, um, on the Astro zoom after they clinched, um, when Carlos Correa was talking, I was thinking about asking a question basically that was like, hey, um, what's the hardest part of hitting now that you don't know what pitch is coming? <laughs> Which is like a rude question, right? But it's also like I think what's on a lot of people's minds, right? Like, hey, how do you adjust? But it's the sort of thing that if you ask over like a Zoom, you're basically like saying like, hey, I want to get into a fight with you. Right. You know, and so like not doing it in person, you know, feels like sort of like a, you know, like a cowardly move and it's just like unproductive you know it's not really going to accomplish anything you're just kind of like making it about yourself um but i think like if they were in person you know and the astros like came to los angeles like dylan hernandez would be going around the clubhouse asking questions like that right know, and it's just a little different with the current setup like it's very difficult to you know ask questions and make people uncomfortable because you know it just looks ridiculous on the zoom
3: yeah, it's yeah. it's much more awkward and yeah. Yeah, I miss I miss the old days. <laughs> well,
2: there's, there's that the grandstanding Trump. element to it. That that's the real issue. And then also, you know, that being able to the communication right is so much more than what you're actually saying. And even on Zoom, something gets lost in the translation. Like it, being in front of somebody um, is just a total game changer. And yeah, like I think in general, people have a hard time asking those types of questions. Um, and on Zoom, it just gets even more awkward as we saw, you know, with Walker Bueller, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. goodness gracious. Like. Well, uh,
1: I mean, there's, I think, uh, I think that there is. So Walker Bueller was asked about the tightness of his pants. They were tight. I don't know why everyone was so obsessed. They weren't that tight, were they? I don't know. Maybe I have a different maybe I have a different threshold for tight.
2: Yeah, you're they were they were tight. Anyway,
1: who wears pants in
3: 2020 anyway?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't chewed a stick of gum since like March, I think. (laughs) Uh so yeah, I mean so Walker Bueller was asked like post game about you know the tightness of his pants, how it's trending on Twitter, and he was like, This isn't the time or the place, and you know, everyone was kind of uh, blowing up the reporters a guy named Michael Duarte works in LA and like you know I think that there is uh, a I think one of the I remember actually it was uh, it was Jeff Passon uh, you know, I'm not sure Heard what, of whatever happened, whatever happened to the guy, but he used to work at the daily orange at Syracuse and he wants like sent a you know, an email to some of the other staffers after he graduated. I guess he thought, you know, they all wanted his advice or something. Um, but one of the things he was talking about was the idea of like a way to differentiate the work you do is ask these guys sort of questions that are a little off the wall, like ask them about the things that everyone notices, but don't really fit into the normal like sort of narrative flow of like the game, you know, so it's like, you know, the the way that the locker room smells or something like that, you know, just like using your senses or whatever. And so like, I think it's actually really important for people in this business to like sort of ask questions that are a little strange. I just think it's like kind of impossible to do it in a way that doesn't make everyone look like, you know, silly on, on the in the zoom setup, you know, because it's just like such a formal thing that like it just takes away the intimacy of being able to just kind of grab a guy, you know, like one-on-one and be like, mm-hmm. Hey, this is dumb, but you know, or like whatever. And so it just, I don't know. I think, um, I think it just, it's just tough for us to do our jobs, whether it's trying to be serious or unserious about it, I guess.
3: Yeah. What do you think of asking questions based off Twitter reaction though? Cause Twitter, I think that happens a little too often now.
1: I think I fell victim to that a lot when I covered the Royals. I think because I it was really the first time where I was like, I was just seeing a real significant uh, like traffic on like the stuff I was tweeting, and like I would just get lots of responses. And so I think I was a little too uh, married to that, to the idea that like you got to ask the question that everyone's talking about on Twitter. And I think it's tough because, like, on the one hand, that is the audience that we communicate with the most on a regular basis. But it's not the most people in the audience. Right. There's a lot of people who aren't on Twitter. There's a lot of people who aren't paying attention to these sort of things. And so, like, you got to kind of strike a balance. And, like, it's, it's challenging because I do think there is some value to be like, hey, here's the thing everyone's talking about, you know, in this one sort of forum. Answer the question. And then you have a story that, you know satisfies like a, a rabid if smaller chunk of people um, but you can sometimes you know fall too deep into the rabbit hole of it and you're just asking about you know sort of <clears throat> like unrelated nonsense I guess
2: it's it reminds me of of like when a sports editor will be like hey you should write about this and it's just bullshit they heard on the radio <laughs> and it's like no man like no I'm not going to f- write that because you heard this bullshit on the radio like y- your job literally as an editor is to decide what it is that people should be reading it is your job not the f-ing radios and so like it- it's the same as Twitter like yeah is it a part of the, of the mix yeah you should listen to it because like that's- those are some of the people that are watching the team therefore you need to take it into account but to punt your responsibility off the social media or the f-ing radio is is nonsense. It's bullshit, and like and, and to see writers do it, it can be infuriating because it's like, dude, that's your job too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're supposed <clears throat> to be the one making that call, not not deferring to the mob of people that are online or on the freaking radio. You know, uh, uh, most of which are just like, you know. Uh, beyond casual fans right like they're 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 tuned in like every now and again and they might be the loudest but like they're not the most informed and it's like yeah you should be making those calls not not like leaving it up to people who just like to rant
3: i'm glad that you, i got a mark correct experience just now like you get well, you getting good. the ass i was a little worried 40 minutes in that i wasn't gonna sorry, get
2: it. i just had a flashback
1: yeah I just yeah that had was a little sorry. yeah mark was a little too subdued this episode jake that was that was good yeah he seems yeah. distracted what
3: do you think he's thinking about
1: uh, probably the radio, I think. <laughs> <laughs> his, his hair, radio. the Starwood hotel chain. Who can say? Um, yeah, it's uh, R.I.P. Yeah. I think there is like I think there is some value. I think you should pay attention to it. I just it's like everything. It's like a balance, you know. Like yeah, you can't write every story. Every story can't be some sort of like you know, tear jerking narrative and every story can't be some like dive inside the numbers and every story can't be, you know, 30,000 foot magisterial view of the team and every story can't be, you know, social media bullshit. Like, I think it's, it's one of the reasons that the job is, is challenging because there's just a lot of different ways to go about it. And so, um, by the way, like, uh, you know, the, yeah, I, I just, I I don't know. I think it's fine to ask weird questions. It's just sometimes you're going to piss guys off. Like Mm -hmm. that's just how it goes.
2: I think it's impossible to do it. Like you were saying in this in this scenario, it's it's tough. It's It's so difficult. Like I I mean, the question. Like he goes, this isn't the time or the place. Well, unfortunately, the latter is untrue. This right. is the only place, right? right. Like that, that so he's half wrong. Like I get well, feel and whatever, but like the dude he's had no other is, choice. What he's
1: saying is we just lost in the playoffs. Right. I'm not right. in a good mood. Right. Yeah. Which like that's fine. Yeah. But totally. like unfortunately, he's not gonna talk for five more days. Correct. So like this is which the only shot. Will there be, you know, an earth in you know, in five days from now? <laughs> Who can say? Like, you know, I gotta get this stuff out now.
3: Yeah, a lot of topics just get lost, right? Like, you, you have a question for a guy, but you're at the mercy of the PR staff making him available, and then you don't see yeah. him for a week, and then yeah. it's like, like Altu- it's over.
1: Altuve didn't talk last night, right?
3: I don't think he's talked this series. Yeah. Um, like, even Correa, after the Joe Kelly thing, it was a few days, I feel like, before he talked. Right. And by then, it was like, you know, kind of over. Not over, but like, people had moved on, and he there had games happened, and... It's just tough. I think what? I
1: read that I think I read that Miguel Cabrera didn't talk this season. I think I heard like that too. All, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, 2020. Yeah. But you're right. Like there is like a, you know, and it's like not like It's not like there you want to sort of go through the ritual of like shaming Jose Altuve, but I think it's more like I think fans just want to know how he's doing. Like readers want to know, like how you know, like does he think this is the thing, or does he you know think it's a mechanical issue, or like you know how much is it weighing on him? And it, you know, it becomes almost like recovering like Eng- you know English soccer, where like you can't talk to the guys.
2: Is that a thing? I don't follow soccer. They can't talk. No, that's exact. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, that's a thing.
1: It's yeah. a bit more. Yeah, there's a there's a bit more like theater criticism to it, which is like. Huh. The, the postseason's kind of always got an element of theater criticism, but, like, this year especially, yeah. like, there's there's a lot of that.
2: I actually I don't mind that. Actually, like, there's such a good comp. Like, I think covering a team should be some of that, too. Like, you are you know, you're ticking off, like, not every story can be this, this, or this, right? But theater mm. criticism is one of those things that I think is in the mix, too, right? Like, I, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but uh, certainly... At this it, time it, of it year, yeah. I right. I think
1: there's, there's an aspect of it, you know, but... Uh, you don't want it to be you know 85% of what we're doing and that's just kind of what it is you and right. you get you know 90 seconds with you know three players after the game it's just you know, yeah. you're not going to have as useful content no I, and
2: then like you, you see how these unfold right like you might have like a <clears throat> string of questions or like there's some topic you want to get at but you ask your one maybe get a follow up and then it's the person with another notebook to fill asking something right. totally different like and <laughs> right. then there's no getting back to it even if a, 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 like i've seen this so many times this year someone will start to get on a roll right yeah. there it's something they want to talk about or they're at least like engaging in it and like you know, someone kills the rally, someone, you know, like it, it's just a, Hey, what about that thing in the fifth inning? Just like kills the rally. It wasn't listening to yeah. it at all. And like, that's just what it is. Like, and I think that, that just, that's another challenge to it. Even if you get lucky and it's a good day and someone's like playing ball, like the, the fact that a rally gets killed like this, just, just really like another thing that makes yeah. it so difficult.
3: And, a, and a, when a guy doesn't want to talk, you don't know that he declined comment. Right. You just know yeah. that he didn't show up on Zoom, Right. whereas in the past, you could go up to the player's locker and get blown off, and you could write, he declined comment or whatever, but right. now it's just like, they're kind of protected by this Zoom format.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least it's definitely going to end sometime soon. Uh, what is it in that yeah. sentence? Exactly. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, Jake, thanks a ton for coming on, man. This was a, this was a fun one. Karig finally got agitated near the end, so we made it. We've now done 100% of our episodes have had Craig going off, uh, which is always good. I need always to stop good. You got anything to plug? Any stories you're working on that we should be looking for? Um,
3: yeah, I'm sure I'll write the Astros obituary at some point in the next couple of days. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> uh Other than that, you should listen to our Astros podcast. I think it's pretty good. It's called the Crawford Talks okay. on the Athletic Podcast Network. Sounds good. Is. Sounds thanks great. for having me on, guys. This was fun.
1: Yeah, this was fun. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back next week.